Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want Hello, to watch it. Hello, my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Basement Video, where we go through all of this week's notable Blu-rays and DVDs. Oh yeah, and we've got a uh, long, fascinating list for you folks this week. Ah, the classic Mark sarcasm, right off the top. I mean, we're pretty excited about the one off the top here. Yes, it is. Johnny Mnemonic. In black and white, the release that everybody made fun of, me included, when they announced it. <laughs> Did you make fun of this? I feel like a lot of people have been waiting for this for a while, because he's screened this last year, the year before or something. It's been screening around a little bit. The director of this film, a visual artist in his own right, that's basically what he's known for, because he never directed anything else. And he said stuff like, oh, I originally wanted to shoot Johnny Mnemonic in black and white, and then I decided to make it in black and white digitally. And, you know, when I hear directors say that, I'm like, mm-hmm, sure, yeah, Logan in black and white, or Parasite in black and white. I feel like we've had this conversation, too, before about the uh, wave of directors turning their movies into black and white, like uh, Parasite, or, yeah, you're right logan nightmare alley and i agree i'm also not a fan of this practice at all for the most part but in this case like you said it works quite well i gotta say oh yeah so i made a joke that like oh just turn the grayscale down on your television you could (laughs) but you wouldn't get it looking as good as it does in this movie because supposedly he went frame by frame with like a colorist or you know, shot by shot yeah. and made sure that they all looked black and white, not gray, which you get with a lot of these black and white movies, but actually black and white. And I think it does the movie many favors. Oh, totally. It is a completely different vibe. Now, I I was always a fan of this movie. I know this is obviously one of the more lambasted films of the 90s, got terrible reviews when it came out. It's kind of a laughing stock. People thought Keanu Reeves was terrible in it, uh, blah, blah, blah. I always thought this movie was fun. But even for me, who thought had fond memories of it from a kid, as a kid, uh, watching it in black and white, totally new experience. It felt like a completely different movie. And I got to say, I loved it even more than I did the first time. And I got to say, this is like one of the unsung gems of the 90s. In my eyes. I think it's a better movie in black and white, too. It is. It's kind of weird, isn't it? That like... Oh, totally. I was looking at some of the shots in color, and it had that... And I know that Mark loves this kind of 90s yeah. cheap look in, <laughs> in, in color. That kind of like there's a haze over it, like it's a little out of focus. Yeah. And the black and white version completely changes that and makes it incredibly crisp and stark. Oh, yeah. In a way that makes the technology and the set design pop out in a way that it never did in the color version. Oh, totally. And yeah, I was a little skeptical too going in because of the, the amount of sort of like 90s internet tech and stuff. And I was like, ah, that usually pops in color like is this going to look any good in black and white? But it does. It looks great in black and white. And I think it does bring the film back to the kind of inspiration of like Alphaville or movies like that, which Robert Longo, the director, had stated that he kind of used as an inspiration, I think, at one point. It just makes it feel like a movie from a visual artist, you know, instead of like the original cut, which, while again, I thought was fun, never really struck me. Like, I didn't even really know who Robert Longo was at all until more recently when this was popping up. Johnny Mnemonic was just like a fun, cool, like stupid 90s sci-fi action movie that I liked. And it's, you know, it never really felt like something that like an an artist made. And now it totally does. Even from the first shots of Keanu uh, waking up in his hotel room, it has this like great sort of noirish vibe now that it never really had before to me. Um, And I actually feel like the new look does favors to Keanu's performance as well. I agree. Well, an issue I had with this movie was I found it kind of stiff 
when I watched it originally because it's like a director who's never really done it before. But in black and white, because it gives it a completely different vibe. Like you don't expect it to be dynamic like a 90s blockbuster would, like something that Jan de Bont would have directed. So it actually works incredibly well. And Keanu's We Have Eyes and Ears, like stiff performance, works well within that context. Yeah, that's the thing. It is a stilted performance for sure. But it totally works for the film way more than it ever did before. I mean, it kind of enhances a sort of like Android-esque sort of vibe from him. And yeah, I just forgot how much fun this movie was, though. It's been years since I've revisited it, and it was just fun seeing all this, like the supporting cast pop up, like Takeshi Kitano, like Dolph Lundgren's crazy street preacher guy, like Ice-T, like Henry Rollins. Like there's so many, Dina Meyer shows up. There's so many great support. It's got such a great supporting cast. It is such an ambitious, project it's kind of a shame it was just sort of like you know laughed off when it came out and even Robert Longo William Gibson who wrote the film based on his short story they both kind of had problems with it sort of disowned it like you said because you were talking about the special feature on this disc they've all kind of come back around to this film now yeah so on the back of the blu-ray it says a candid conversation featurette and you're like what the hell is that I know. <laughs> one of the most misleading titles ever. well it is a candid conversation but they should have friggin advertised that it's the director, William Gibson, and Keanu Reeves talking about the film. I did not expect Keanu Reeves. Not that I, you know, think Keanu Reeves hates this movie or anything. I just didn't expect them to be able to get him for any sort of like convo oh, on this. Oh, the exact opposite. He loves this movie. In the in the featurette, he's like quoting lines, talking about like how every scene is his favorite. He loves Udo Kier. He's like, I love, it. I just love Udo Kier. <laughs> yeah, how could I even forget him when talking about the cast? And so this featurette is great. It's kind of a um reclaiming of the movie because the director who's always been kind of eh he did a commentary on the 101 Blu-ray I believe but he's always been like I don't really like this movie it was so difficult one of the producers he hated he thinks he's evil and probably Robert Lantos looking at the credits yeah I know right (laughs) since this movie is you know largely Canadian funded so and the director loves uh, the other producer I think it's Don Carmody he's like a famous Canadian producer so the only one really left is very infamous Canadian producer it's definitely Lantos definitely Lantos yeah I don't know if you hated this movie like some people a reply to a post i made being like i thought this was the worst film i had ever seen when i saw it in theaters should i buy this blu-ray and i'm like no yeah like Like, i do think it's a new vibe but it's still like it's still the same movie so i don't know if you're gonna love it if you hated it but I don't know. Like, why do you hate it? Why do people hate it? Right. Uh, I I was noticing details I didn't notice before. Like in the background, there's guys wrestling when you're introduced to Udo Kier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great time. It's too bad, though, that this is only sort of like a Sony MOD release instead of something a little bigger. I mean, it's nice that they have the candid conversation. It's nice that this is available and it looks great. But I would have liked maybe a bit more of a package like the 101 films release. But Sony doesn't do special editions like that, do they? I know. I just, I was, it's weird to me they didn't like maybe farm it out to another label to do. Oh, absolutely. Shout would have been all over it. They would have loved it. Usually Sony, when they put out their MODs, like we will see with the next film, it's with like, older studio stuff that they just feel like well we're just gonna like dump this on blu-ray because we don't really have anything else to do with it with this though yeah like this seems right up a shout factory alley you know especially since they've been doing like lawnmower man recently and some of those like 90s cyberpunk type movies i don't know i don't know why they held on to this and like it's a great release but it's just you're kind of pure apart from the candid conversation it's just a bare bones disc apart from that is this a release that exists because like keanu reeves asked sony to do it they don't do stuff like this like this 
this is so they odd. They don't. No, this is such a weird one for them. And I know when they, I mean, they only announced this like less than a month ago. So this was like a quick release for them. Uh, I know the momentum has been building because like I said, they did, this black and white version was created, I want to say about a year ago or a little more. And they were screening it around New York. I remember reading in ScreenSlate, a New York publication, they did an interview with Robert Longo about this new cut and everything. Mm-hmm. I read that article. Yeah, really in-depth interview. It was really cool. And that was around the time they were screening it in New York. And I was like, ah, I wish I was there to see this now. I feel like this has been in the works. But at that point, I was totally convinced like, you know, a collector's label would put this out. So maybe they try. I want to know, like, did a label try and it just didn't work out? Did the right situation? Is it just all messed up because it's sort of like a Canada, U.S.? I think there's a European country in there that's like sort of a co-production thing. You can watch this movie for free on YouTube because Encore Plus put uh, put it up there. Yeah. Right, right. Not the black and white version, but the color version is up there. Yeah, I think it's on Prime too in the color version uh, if you have Prime. But yeah, in terms of this black and white version, I think this is the only way you can like legally watch it now. Like, I don't think it's available anywhere else streaming or anything Yeah, like but that. let's be honest. This is probably the version, if I was going to watch the movie or show it to someone else again, I would show them the black and white version. I've seen the color version a bunch of times, so I'm good. Well, that's the thing. I don't think I could, ev- I don't think I'll ever go back to watching the color version again, you know, as much as I love this movie. Like, I want to pick up this Blu-ray, and I think this is just kind of the definitive way to watch it. Because again, like, when you read about Robert Longo talking about this movie, like him and William Gibson initially just wanted to make like a million dollar art film. And like, they only did this because they couldn't get the budget to do their art film. So they're like, all right, well, we'll pitch it as more of like a bigger budget sci-fi action thing. This is how, to me, it should have always been and which justifies kind of the black and whiteness of it. And again, let's not forget, like Robert Longo was a prominent visual artist in the 80s. And I th- and his big, a lot of his big exhibitions, like the Men in Cities exhibition, which is kind of like his big thing, was all done in black and white. So he's very like intimately familiar with black and white art. So... Yeah, this this is just really cool. This is a great release. This is definitely one of the best releases, like physical releases this year for me. I just wish it had a bit more of a package to but it. But don't you have the uh, UK edition? So you got your package. I held off on buying that just because I heard oh. such bad reviews. But like I was telling you, I kind of wish I'd gotten that just for like the box and then like stick this DVD in there. While we were talking right now, I just ordered the UK edition. So. <laughs> did yep, you? I did because I was like, eh, even if the transfer doesn't look that good, I'm not going to be watching in the color version again. Well, the box is nice though, right? And there's a like booklet. The, I want to hear Robert Longos' commentary on it because I feel like he's probably pissed off. Well, I'm sa- telling you, man, you just get the box in and then you just stick that Johnny Mnemonic black and white Blu-ray in there and you've got like the, the big deluxe set that, you know, you just made yourself. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's probably the re- uh, release we recommend to pick up the most this week, even though the Bay Street video currently does not have any. Well, we got short shipped. But you know what? By the time this episode airs, we will definitely have more in stock. We kind of just got like an early short ship because, again, they announced it so late, like after when usually I have to pre-order things like at least a month in advance to be able to get them on time. And they only announced this and then put it up for pre-order less than a month. So I think we just didn't get our full order. But we got a ton more coming in, and yeah, we definitely had to snag these discs, you and I, to test this, uh, give this a test run before putting it out on the shelf, and very satisfied, very satisfied. We also gave a test run to the next Sony movie we're talking about, Denise Calls Up, everyone's favorite phone-based romantic comedy that was released in the mid-90s. And it's this week's Blind Bye Bye! So I will admit it was a bit of a light week for releases. So when uh, talking to Justin about Blind Buy, this is 
kind of the only one that was piquing my interest because, you know, I'm a 90s indie film guy, and this one totally flew under my radar. It's also from 1995, like Johnny Mnemonic, and apparently it won some awards. It won, like, a Camera Door Award at Cannes, which is crazy to me. Yeah, it's basically just one of your typical, like, 90s indie rom-coms, except the gimmick is everybody just talks on the phone the entire time. It's all just phone Yeah, they never meet in person until... The last moments of the film, but you knew that was coming. So. <laughs> we knew that was coming. Uh, it takes place in New York, so it's basically about a bunch of like '90s New Yorkers who are just too busy to interact. And you know, it's supposed to be a commentary on our modern society, about how we're all too busy and wrapped up on phones and computers. A lot of ancient computers in this one too, for sure. And that we can't, you know, meet face to face and have meaningful relationships anymore. Gotta say, this movie feels really outdated nowadays. <laughs> you don't think that the same way that we communicate is represented in the film here i mean i guess you can make a case and like i mean i don't think anybody at sony is thinking this uh, in terms of why they're releasing it now but i guess you could make a case for the fact that it sort of you know predicts our current social media internet obsessed age mm. i don't know did you like this movie let's just get right to I it i thought it was fine it felt like a bunch of short films someone edited into a feature film. Yeah, right. I don't know much about the director. His name's Hal Salwin. This was his... He directed only one other feature film that's been released, his yes. and hers. Uh, he did two, though. He has one called Dwayne something. Oh, uh, well, it's not on Letterboxd. Well, it's on IMDb. So. Dwayne something. Uh, that's why I yeah. said has been released. Well, there you go. Well, they played. He played festivals with a couple of his other films. Dwayne Incarnate. That's what it's called. So I don't know. He's kind of one of those like I guess '90s indie film guys that just didn't take off. You know, like you know, you know, Edward Burns took off, or like other indie rom com directors took off, but not this guy, unfortunately. Even though it seemed like he got some acclaim for this film. No one's really like pawning for this release it never got a release on dvd in uh north america yeah, and i'd never like had you even heard of this film because i'd never no, i'd never heard I'd of this never before. heard of this until the blu-ray got announced and which was surprising to me because i thought i kind of knew everything about 90s independent film especially with one with such like a gimmick like this i thought i would have heard of more. aren't you a Liv schreiber completist wouldn't you have seen this for that reason i mean Liv schreiber yeah i mean it was nice to see him he's good and i would say the Tim cast Daly. is all for the most part pretty good superman himself <laughs> yep um there's some other familiar faces there even if you can't quite place where you've seen them i think the problem with me for me with this is that a <laughs> the lot problem with you mark yeah let's talk with about me that. <laughs> yeah i know let's talk that's a whole other show right there the humor like the comedy just isn't funny a lot of the time i don't know so many of the jokes to me just fell flat although there was one joke about uh where tim daly's character is talking about getting paul newman's popcorn and salad dressing because uh it makes him feel good because the money all goes to charity even though he doesn't like it that kind of make me made me laugh i don't know why <laughs> maybe because maybe because my you parents didn't laugh got at the it. sequence where one of the character dies and they all react to it that was an interesting twist yeah there's there's a death there's a sudden death in the film like halfway through and one of the characters is just out of it and you're like oh okay um, but some characters are like well i didn't know her that well but it's shocking <laughs> that yeah it happened and, they're explicit about like what happened to her too like she was on the phone while she was driving <laughs> and, it and got into an brain. accident and it went through her brain the phone and everything so yeah they mine some like dark humor out of that i think it's just like it's a movie that to me is a little more interesting in theory than it actually is to watch like i don't know how entertaining 
entertaining this is just as like a comedy in its own right and i think the characters can get a little irritating at times because they are those like bougie or like yuppie white 90s kind of people whose problems don't really seem that important these days you know would have worked better if it was teenagers which is how it would have been if it was modern day and you could have had very similar conversation but because it's rich like people in their mid-30s it's like fuck yeah i just it's hard for me to just sympathize with people like this nowadays but that that's just a me problem i guess but you love bougie uh thrillers in the 90s though (laughs) i do i do i guess when it's just comedies it doesn't work as well you like to see them i do i like to see their bougie way of lives threatened exactly are you a fan of the day you know i've never seen that I got to say, that's, oh, that's one, one I've just missed for some reason. I, I got to catch up with that, though, because that's another Lee Schreiber classic right there. Mm-hmm. Greg Matola, the director of yep. Superbad, Paul. What else has he done? I always get him confused with Jake Yeah, Kasdan. you know, he's a guy that I just never really followed past, you know, Superbad. Or didn't he do Adventureland? Was that him? Maybe. He did do Adventureland. I like okay. Adventureland. That was okay. fun. I got to catch up with the Day Trippers, though. That's one that just fell through the cracks for yeah, me. Yeah, you didn't take the opportunity when it was released on Criterion a little while back, I guess. I know, I know. Definitely one of the lower-selling Criterion. I think that one has uh, a uh, Steven Soderbergh commentary on it, too. Does yeah, it? Day Trippers. Okay. Okay. Oh. I keep going to ratethatcommentary.com where you can see commentary tracks, but it has not been updated since 2015, so uh, it's a little old when it comes to uh, categorizing commentary tracks. Would you blind buy recommend? No, I would not recommend this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will buy. say it's no. a Sony MOD Blu-ray, so there are zero special features. There's not even a candid conversation on this one. <laughs> I mean, maybe some, you know, behind the scenes, maybe some commentary or a candid conversation would put this into some greater context so next up we have money movers a movie i had never heard of before but when i looked into it people seem to love this movie it is a 1978 Ozploitation film directed by cult uh, filmmaker Bruce Beresford. Yes, that's right. The director of Driving Miss Daisy and Mark Classic Double Jeopardy. At least I assume it's a Mark Classic. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of Double Jeopardy. I find it kind of boring, to be honest. But you love <laughs> Mr. Church, right? <laughs> wow, Mr. Church. I have not seen that. I forgot that was him. Uh, but Bruce Beresford was a pretty prominent Australian director. I mean, Breaker Morant, that was his big kind of ticket to Hollywood, right? I've never seen it. Yeah, me neither. But, you know, I don't know. People always talk about that. Where, when was it made? Oh, it was made right after Money Movers. It was like early, yeah, early 80s. Yeah, he also made a sex comedy called Puberty Blues in 1981. Yeah, well, Umbrella, who's been who's putting out Money Mover, the, Movers, they're going big on the Bruce Beresford early exploitation stuff. They put out The Adventures of Barry McKenzie a few months ago, which he did. And actually, Puberty Blues is coming out soon from them as well. So, yeah, they're just digging right into his filmography. And everybody loves this one. They say it's really good. It's like a heist film. It's gritty. It's intense. I'm very interested in this. I've never even heard about it before. Yeah, and it's part of their like sort of uh, genre label where I think they have some sort of... I know with Mega, it's like the same label that did the Mega Force stuff. So I think they've got some sort of art book in there or something. They really yeah. There's a, a long documentary with all the participants on it. I did look it up while I was doing research. So haven't seen this one, so can't really talk of it. But I'm excited. I'm gonna yeah. Pick it no, up. I thought this looked intriguing too. And I kind of you know yeah, you're right, Bruce Beresford. I kind of just knew him from his Hollywood career, making like kind of bland hollywood movies but i'm kind of interested to dig into his early australian career because there's some fascinating looking stuff next up we have child's play 
Shout is trying to squeeze every dollar out oh, of you as possible, are. so they're not released <laughs> as a box set. But you can get one, two, three, four as 4K UHDs. You know, ever since we went down to the notable Blu-rays and DVDs, we have not talked about Shouter's Scream Factory in a long time. Yeah, I mean, every once in a while, like I feel like spe- we talked about Species because I threw that on the list a few weeks ago. But you're right, they just... I mean, I guess for me, part of the reason is a lot of what they're releasing now are just 4K upgrades of stuff they've already released. So, Man, I looked at what's coming out next week, and it is wild that it's all re-releases of stuff. I know. They just can't stop. I couldn't believe that there's like not really anything new. It's like, oh, Death Wish is coming out. Three, uh, as a re-release. Dragons Forever. That was released in the UK, but it's coming out. Get Mean again on Blu-ray? Like- I don't know. Companies are just... I mean, it's working for them. They're like selling copies of these i think it's just they're hoping people maybe didn't buy the first releases because maybe they weren't as hard into blu-ray yet or something so they're just kind of repackaging them and putting out there again i mean with the death death wish 3 thing that's part of the ronin flicks package which they're all starting to come to regular stores now instead of just being online exclusives child's play i mean the first child's play was obviously put out by shout years back two and three have not those are first time to shout they've had just previous like standard edition blu-rays from universal but this is the first kind of special edition release of them so that's why i kind of wanted to put it on here because i mean i I love the child's play movies so no box set come on guys well it's like the halloween thing again right where they put out all five of the for the first five halloween movies separately on uhd and it's like i mean i you're i mean they sell everybody's buying them but like can't you just put these together i love child's play 2 child's play 2 is great me too yeah i mean i like obviously i feel like we've talked about this series before i love the whole series and i kind of wish they would just do a box set of them I've all i've never seen part three oh, really three's fun three's fun not my favorite but and i think two's better but uh um, yeah three's fun yeah i wish they'd put them all out together but i think it's one of those situations where the rights are just all over the place so I think, like, the first one is owned by, like, MGM or wherever MGM is, 2 and 3 are Universal, and they kind of go through Universal for a while. I I don't know. I kind of wish there was, like, 4K collector's editions of Bride of Chucky and Seed of Chucky as well. Like, when are those coming, right? Those are... Wait, so there's no blu-rays of these are there well, there are so they're 4k blu-ray combo packs which is which oh, is like all okay. shouts 4ks now you know when they did like alligator so you pony up that 4k uh, price for each individually you know they could have just put these out in a set but you got to pay like 35 bucks a pop for these so you got to be child's play fans but you know i am, I, I am. all right so next up we have criterion putting out Daddy Longlegs, a classic safety brother about, hey, irresponsible daddy. <laughs> Played by Ronald Brownstein, uh, who's a longtime collaborator of them. And I, I think this is great. I mean, if you haven't seen this already, this is super, like, this is the Safty Brothers style. And obviously, this would continue through to their bigger projects like Good Time and Uncut Gems. But it's very much that, like, gritty New York fly-on-the-wall thing where you just follow this harried father as he's trying to deal with his kids and not crack under the pressure. Great stuff, though. It's the st- same kind of, like, pressure cooker vibe as, like, Uncut Gems is. So they definitely... Except now, children are on the line. Children are involved although it's not you know as dark as you would think it might get you know going into it i feel like there's a lot of sweetness here as well wow so ronald oh he's still writing with the safties oh that's what he's been doing yeah but yeah he is the director of the other criterion release this week criterion went big on the sort of 
underground NYC indies this week where with uh, Frownland, which is his directorial debut, I believe. I don't think he's really made much as a director since. And this movie, I love a lot, too. Have you seen this or have you gotten to no, this? No, I've never seen Frownland. Frownland is great. Uh, I mean, if you think the Safdie's brother, Safdie brothers stuff is like abrasive, you haven't seen anything yet until you get to Frownland. This is by far one of the most abrasive assaultive movies i've ever seen it's basically about a socially maladjusted guy in new york i can't remember the actor's name but the guy who plays him does a phenomenal job he's got like an asshole roommate he just like can't basically have social interactions with anybody and it's just like an hour and a half long freak out with this guy and it's great it's really it's grungy it's like even grungier than like daddy long legs in terms of its style and it just like grabs you by the throat from the first like moments and just you know doesn't let you go i love it this is one of my favorite indie movies of that time period definitely was sort of part of the mumblecore sort of thing but uh kind of you know charted its own path i would say from that but yeah this is this is great this is definitely one of my favorite criterion releases in some time so next up we have baby assassins being put out by wellgo so this is part of a thing that wellgo has been doing where they put out essentially almost every asian film ever that is being released (laughs) they won't stop but they've started to dip into like DTV style Japanese action films. I think they may have a deal with the company because this is part of the like Kia Street Haya yeah. line label yeah. that they have online. And this one is directed by Yugo Sakamoto. And what's interesting about Yugo Sakamoto is he's like a young Japanese director who's been making movies since 2017, and he will not stop making action films. His first one is called Hangman's Knot. He has another one called Slaughter Japan. He has Baby Assassins. He has one called Yellow Dragon's Village, which the only way I could watch it was by getting the Japanese DVD unsubtitled. But it's pretty straightforward. It's like a no-budget slasher that suddenly turns into a martial arts film 35 minutes into the picture. It's fun. Baby Assassins is definitely his slickest picture it's part of like this assassin's world that he has going on in his films right now and it's fun it's just kind of more of a hangout film the only action scenes at the beginning and end of the movie and the rest is these two young women who are assassins who have to get along with each other in an apartment as they try to play video games try to work their jobs and so on and so forth very small very kind of this stuff doesn't really get released anymore and so I appreciate it. Well, I definitely it. heard more about this one than other of their Haya titles, just because I think this played at Fantasia last year, and I heard people talking about it then, saying it was fun. And it's nice that it's out. I don't know why they wouldn't put out any of the plethora of special features that's included on the Japanese edition, but they just don't do that. They're just like, no, Justin, we don't want to do it. <laughs> well, go, you know, I love that they're bringing a lot of this stuff to North America, but they just don't really care about extras. They could spit in my face by uh, having, it'll say there's extras and they're always two to five minutes long. So they're basically oh, yeah, little they're trailers <laughs> for the extras. But what's weird about this is like they did a custom cover for the San Diego Comic-Con for Baby Assassins. So it's like they care, but... Whoever works there is like, yeah, but we don't care about special features. Yeah, I mean, they they price their releases really cheaply, too, and they never, like, put out more special editions that are worth more or anything. So, I don't know. Maybe they just want to go with one price point, one, like, simple sort of, like, distribute physical distribution method, and that's it. It wouldn't cost that much to get those extras off the Japanese I edition. Know. I know. I know. I mean, probably a couple hundred bucks, and I guess on a spreadsheet, they're like, ugh, I don't want to. Well, someone from WellGo 
who doesn't work there anymore, I do know that, once yelled at me for being like, oh, I wish Wuggo would put out more special features. They're like, yeah, then we put them on. Then you say they weren't good enough. That's uh, one of those. And, so why should we do it? And I'm like, well, that's not what I said. Like, what? I, I won't say that. I, I promise. <laughs> you can't be afraid of what, you know, physical media collectors are going to say because... Yeah, just ignore that. Can be wrong sometimes. Well, here's the thing, Wuggo. I ain't buying this edition of your Blu-ray because I already have the Japanese one. So well, there you go. So well go. They lost your money. That's right. All right, so next up we have 499, uh, which is being released by Cinema Guild. Mark, take it away. I'll take this one. (laughs) So this is a kind of dreamlike documentary type thing that is really fascinating. I saw this at Hot Docs a couple years ago, and uh, it's a Mexican film from a director named Rodrigo Reyes. And yeah, it basically uh, takes place, you know, and was made around the 500-year anniversary of the Spanish conquest, and it follows uh, like a conquista, a guy dressed up in like a conquistador outfit who kind of emerges out of the sea, and he's supposed to be like a ghostly conquistador, and basically he journeys through Mexico towards the capital city, and on the way he kind of, what Mexico has turned into, basically, and how the colonialism has a real borat yeah, if you will the colonialism has like rippled through to sort of the drug war violence of today and all the other myriad of problems that Mex- current contemporary mexico faces and so he in- intersperses this uh ghostly conquistador's journey with um like documentary interviews with actual people in mexico talking about the current state of the country so i really enjoyed this one it looks beautiful got a ringing endorsement from jim jarmusch recently who got they slapped a big quote on on the back so uh, this is a really cool movie. It's been picking up steam since its festival play, and I've been hearing more people talk about it. So uh, definitely check it out, especially if you like those kind of like uh, documentary fiction hybrid things that have a real sort of dreamlike vibe to them. And next up, another film that Mark loves, especially its innocent star. What's eating? Yeah, we're, we're going to finish off this podcast on a triple bill. A triple oh, bill. God, I'm of looking at the next one and I'm like, no. Paramount titles with problematic people in them. <laughs> <laughs> what's eating Gilbert Grape? Yeah, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Never You've seen never it. Never seen this, eh? Yeah. Um, I, well, you know, I saw this when I was a kid, and you know, loved it for some reason. But I feel like it's one of those movies that is just not going to age well. You know, I mean, like, it hasn't aged well. Period. I mean, it hasn't aged well. Like the whole idea of Leonardo DiCaprio playing a mentally challenged boy, and you know, getting an Oscar nomination for it is very oh, much. Oh, people loved it when it came out. They were eating it very up. Very much a thing in the '90s, right? That was such a '90s thing, right? And it's could like, could they do a long gap sequel to What's Eating Gilbert? Not Ray? now. Yikes! With both of back. them, that's the thing. Add in the Johnny Depp thing, and it's like, wow. Yeah, this is just uh, who wants to watch this anymore? I don't know, but I mean, it had a lot of pedigree when it came out. Lassie Halstrom directed this. It was like obviously a big deal. Oh, Lassie Halstrom, what a hack! What that a guy hack, is. you know. <laughs> Um, but you know, this was him. I feel like this was when he was first kind of getting into. This was his first big Hollywood hit. I want to say maybe I might be wrong on that, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's taken a long time to come to Blu-ray, but this is the Blu-ray debut, and you know, we we have sold a few copies, so I guess the market still is there. And let of. us never speak of it again. But next up, something that is not morally uh, problematic and uh-oh what women want the mel gibson starring you know film? I, I admit i've never seen this movie but i've always just thought i'm shocked i thought theatrically yeah, i thought i would have seen this like because my parents probably i'm sure my parents rented this when it came out and watched it because my mom was in love with mel gibson throughout the 90s she he was her favorite actor ever and i just thought it was always hilarious that mel gibson was the one picked to 
you know, I mean, he was a big star at the time, so I guess that's why. But it's just hilarious to me that Mel Gibson's in a movie. Nothing called... problematic. No, I've seen What Women Want. Neither of us have seen this. Yeah, so... I said I saw, I saw it theatrically. Oh, have you? So, okay. With my mother. You saw Okay, sorry. I, I misheard that. Yeah, bad. Don't wow. like it. Let's so, move on. Uh, all right. <laughs> no. Give me your first person perspective. It's not good. No. There's a really funny episode of um, We Hate Movies on What Women Want where they're like, what is this? Like, people love this movie when it came out. Well, that's out. the thing. Who came up with like who thought this was a good idea even considering that mel gibson was like a star at that point like he was he really like the best option for this he's trying to robin williams it up in this yeah. movie too like not and this good. is a nancy myers the joint, stanley right? kubrick of romantic comedies yeah so I'm i don't not know even this, joking she is no i know i totally yeah and you know what much respect to her and this movie for some reason is still popular like it was that, a huge I mean, hit wasn't it It was a huge hit and even today like at the store it rents still consistently so i don't know all right so moving on we have domestic disturbance now this is up mark's alley right (laughs) now this i saw theatrically you you could have bet money on the fact that i saw this theatrically and i was very excited to see this theatrically of course if you don't remember because you probably don't since this movie came and went pretty fast uh, it is a domestic thriller with John Travolta, Vince Vaughn, when Vince Vaughn was still doing, you know, creepy type roles that like post psycho kind of thing uh, as some kid that I can't remember. And Steve Buscemi actually shows up in this. Wow. Is... From the director of Mercury Rising. Yeah. Harold. Yeah. Harold, did Becker. Harold Becker. Is that who made this? Yeah. I think he did Sea of Love with Al Pacino. Right. Anyways, a journeyman who I don't really care for. John Travolta and his wife, who I believe is played by, I want to say Terry Polo, maybe. Um, They are split up. They have a teenage son. And Vince Vaughn comes in. He's the new stepdad. And it turns out he might be evil or might have some secrets going on. And, you know, the kid suspects this. The mom doesn't believe. But John Travolta, who's kind of like, you know, the the disgraced dad you know he lives on like a houseboat now i think he maybe had like an alcohol problem or something anyway he's the only one that believes the kid but they don't believe john travolta either so john travolta has to like take care of business basically i don't know this movie's not good i I can't say i think about this that much i think it was one of those movies like i saw in theaters i was really excited to see it and then when i came out of it it was like yeah, that was fine. It was okay. Wait, what is the one with Samuel Jackson you love so much? Uh, with John Travolta? No, no, no. You don't, but you don't love Basic. Which one am I thinking of? Oh, uh, changing, Pacific, changing Lanes? No, Pacific or, Heights, oh. I think. That's another, like... Lakeview Terrace. Is that what Lakeview Terrace. That's the one yeah, with Sam Jackson. I would get Jackson. that confused with... Or just, like, any domestic disturbance right, movie. Right, yeah. No, I lo- love Lakeview Terrace, love Pacific Heights, love domestic thrillers in general. This one just... It doesn't go far enough. Like, Vince Vaughn's creepy, but I believe this is still, like, a PG-13 movie from what I remember. So it doesn't go too far into, like, R-rated territory. I like when domestic thrillers get, like, really, like, sleazy and dirty and they really go to those dark places, you know, like Pacific Heights or, like, Unlawful Entry or, like, some of the, like, best ones. This one is kind of, like, yeah, soft version. But I don't know. I mean, maybe just because I was a kid. I saw this coming out on Blu-ray, and I'm like, yeah, I got some fondness. I will mention, though, whoever printed the artwork on this release of Domestic Disturbance clearly messed something up at the printer because all the images on the back are completely pixelated out. Like, they're, they're you got to see it. Like, it's like they just, you can't even see them. It's just like a blur of pixelated photos, and it's like, wow, somebody... Uh, 
fucked fucked up at the printer there. I, I don't know what happened. And they don't care. They'll keep printing it. And they don't care because it's domestic disturbance and nobody cares about this movie, I guess. I mean, you can pick up this DVD in any bargain bin very easily. I, so. Yeah, exactly. And even I never picked it up. I never owned this. You know, I didn't like it that much. It was just really one of those, like, sought in theaters. You know, it was like, yeah, it's fine. And then... Don't think I've ever really thought about it again until this moment. When are we going to get a Blu-ray of the classic John Travolta 90s film, White Man's Burden? <laughs> I, I don't know, but I'm dying for a Blu-ray release of that. The one that, that asked the question, what if whites were in the minority? Oh, <laughs> That is a crazy movie that I feel like, yeah, probably won't ever get a Blu-ray release. But, you know, we can dream. We can dream. Maybe one... Uh, I have when I was young, so my memory is vague. Like, it's one I've been wanting to revisit for years, but it was one of those, like, I remember when I was a kid, the poster always, like, up on the video store. Like, I remember it being pushed really hard when it came out and then seeing it because my parents rented it. And, again, I was a kid, so I didn't really think much about, like, the political, con socio-political context of it, but just thinking it was such a ridiculous idea. But, uh yeah, I mean, we have a rental of it at the store if you ever want to check it out. But uh, yeah, I think HBO owns that still. Oh, so, so it'll never come out. I don't yeah. know, maybe a Warner Archive Blu-ray at some point. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? All right, well, that's it for the Bay Street Video Podcast. Until night, uh, until next week, my name's Justin Clue. And I'm Mark Hansen. Keep on buying. Keep on renting. Domestic thrillers. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Good domestic. Come ask Mark. He'll be able to tell yeah, you. Yeah, I can give you tons of tons of recommendations. Like what else you got? Pacific Heights, Lake Viteris, and uh, Unlawful Entry is big, especially yeah, like R.I.P. Ray Liotta. Definitely one of his best performances. Um, I mean, if you want more recent, I got a huge soft spot for The Intruder with Dennis Quaid. I know it's ridiculous. Oh, crazy but old Quaid. Big fun with that one. Uh, yeah, there's there's more. I'm kind of blanking, but. I'll come up with a list. Come and ask me.